Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Well, happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning into the Bible Explained this morning and for sharing a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with me as we read Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. And I'm going to jump right in today because we've got a lot to talk about. This is the vision of Peter, you know, with the sheet coming out of the sky and all the animals in it. We're going to talk about what this means and whether or not this was God declaring all foods to be clean. Because do you remember in the Old Testament, there was a bunch of laws regarding clean and unclean foods. And we talked about all that in the book of Leviticus. But now we're going to talk about whether or not this vision of Peter's is talking about food. So let's read Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. I'll be reading out of W.E.B. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea, Cornelius by name, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment a devout man and one who feared God with all of his house, who gave gifts for the needy generously to the people and always prayed to God. At about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He, fastening his eyes on him and being frightened, said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your gifts to the needy have gone up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and get Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldier of those who waited on him continually. Having explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now on the next day, as they were on their journey, they got close to the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about noon. He became hungry and desired to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened in a certain container descending to him like a great sheet let down by four corners on the earth, in which were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. A voice came to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. This was done three times, and immediately the vessel was received up into heaven. Now while Peter was very perplexed in himself about what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood before the gate, and called and asked whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek you. But arise, get down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. Why have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, and a righteous man, and one who fears God, and well spoken of by all the nation of the Jews, was directed by a holy angel to invite you to his house and to listen to what you say. So he called them in and provided them a place to stay. On the next day, Peter arose and went out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So let's start by talking about this guy named Cornelius. It says that in verse 1, he was a centurion from the Italian regiment. So this means that Cornelius was a commander over 100 men. That means that he would have been hated, most likely, by a good portion of the Jews 
who he lived with. And he lived in this area of Caesarea, which was a Jewish area. However, even though Cornelius was a Roman man, he was very sympathetic towards the Jews. It actually says that Cornelius was a devout man. He feared God with all of his house. And it also says that he gave gifts for the needy generously to the people and always prayed to God. And this wasn't his Roman gods he was praying to, even though he was probably very aware of Roman ideology and Roman gods. He prayed to Yahweh God. He feared Yahweh, even though he wasn't a Jew and even though he never took the steps to become a Jewish convert, he still feared Yahweh. And he prayed to Yahweh without ceasing, basically. He always prayed to God, is what it says. And uh, his entire house followed suit. So it wasn't just Cornelius, but Cornelius was setting an example to his entire household. That also kind of says that Cornelius was kind of rich. He most likely very much was because he had many servants. He had many people under him. And he was very generous with his wealth, is what it says. He gave gifts for the needy generously to the people. So... Cornelius didn't hold on to the earthly things that he had. He was willing to give. He was a generous man. And there are so many times in scripture, actually, all throughout scripture, generosity is always rewarded by God. That is the one thing that God tells us to test him in is actually with our giving. He says, give and see what I'm going to do. Because God loves, it says he loves the cheerful giver. God loves givers. He loves when people give money. He loves when they give gifts. He loves when they give time and energy. God opposes selfishness. He opposes self-centeredness, but he loves those who give gifts. Now, depending on what version you read, the WEB says that he gave gifts for the needy, but other versions might say he gave alms. And that's kind of important to uh, think about because alms is typically uh, thought of as money. So Cornelius didn't just give time or energy to the needy, but he gave money and gifts and clothes to the needy as well. So anytime you see somebody generous in scripture, that is going to be rewarded. And so that's why I always promote generosity here on the podcast is not because uh, I, I want you guys to give up all your money or something crazy like that. Not at all. But I promote generosity because it's the best way to live. I follow Dave Ramsey. Actually, I don't know if you guys know about Dave Ramsey or like him or not. But one of the things that he says is live like no one else so you can give like no one else. And the majority of Dave Ramsey's uh, financial principles actually come from scripture. He uses a lot of scriptural passages from Proverbs to form what he believes and teaches about finances. And so a lot of scriptural passages, of course, talk about generosity. And it turns out that people who end up more wealthy in the long run are generous people, shockingly enough. Um, but anyway, moving forward, it says here that, you know, this man Cornelius, he was a he was a righteous man. He cared about Yahweh. He feared Yahweh. He was generous with what he had. And he was a good example to the people around him, not to mention that he always prayed to God. So it says at the ninth hour of the day, he saw a vision with an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. So personally, I think it's really cool that this angel said Cornelius's name. I, I just really like that. There's something 
powerful about names? If you've ever noticed, people really like to hear their own names. And so it, there's something very powerful about remembering somebody's name and saying it to them. They will feel very appreciated if you remember their name. And uh, unfortunately, that is that is difficult for me. I have a really hard time remembering names. I was just talking to my friend um, who's one of my oldest friends. She was a friend of mine from high school, actually. She was just mentioning all these different people in high school. And I'm like, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember very little about my high school experience. And I think that's a good thing. I really think that my mind blurred all of that out, if I'm being honest, because high school is not a a very good experience, if I'm being honest. But moving forward, I, I forget names very easily. So I have to really, I have to try to remember somebody's name. But it's a good thing if you can do it and you meet that person again and you remember their name. They're going to feel very happy that you remembered their name. And it's very possible then at that point, they will remember your name because you remembered their name. So there's something powerful about saying somebody's name. And this angel knew Cornelius's name. Now, I don't know if this angel was God or if it was Jesus or if it was just an angel. It does not give any hints other than an angel of God. Now, we do know sometimes in scripture, an angel of God could be Jesus. We've talked about that before in the Old Testament. But in this case, there's no more hints whether or not this was an angel or if this was Jesus. So I'm just going to say that this was a typical ordinary angel coming to Cornelius. But either way, this this angel remembers Cornelius's name and he says, Cornelius. Now, Cornelius fastened his eyes on him. Now, that's what's really interesting about this is that this was a vision Cornelius was seeing. And yet he fastened his eyes on this angel. So even though this angel, if somebody else was in the room, wouldn't have been able to see this angel, Cornelius could see him like clear as day. So Cornelius looks at this angel and was frightened, obviously. Now, Cornelius was not frightened to the point of some of the other people we see in scripture where they like fall over like dead. Cornelius was still able to function and was able to answer this angel. He says, what is it, Lord? And the angel says to him, your prayers and your gifts to the needy have gone up for a memorial before God. So there you go. God loves the cheerful giver. God saw Cornelius's heart, a heart of generosity and a heart of a man who feared Yahweh. And so now this angel is coming specifically to Cornelius so that Gentiles everywhere can begin to experience the salvation that comes with the sacrifice of Jesus. So the angel tells Cornelius what to do. He's like, go send for this man named Simon Peter, who is staying in the city of Joppa. Go send for him and find him and bring him here. And then Peter will tell you what to do, basically. And they actually, the, the angel actually gives very specific directions of where uh, Simon was. Actually, he's staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the seaside. So this would be pretty easy for... Cornelius to find because I'm sure Joppa was not like the biggest city ever. Somebody would know where to find Simon Peter. So the angel leaves and Cornelius calls two of his household servants and a devout soldier 
of those who waited on him continually. So there you go. Even his soldier was devout. Even his servants were devout enough so that Cornelius could tell them what happened and they wouldn't like laugh at Cornelius. Because can you imagine if like you saw a vision of an angel and tried to tell somebody who didn't believe in any of that what you had just seen? They would laugh at you. They would be like, yeah, I think you need to go see like a specialist or something because that didn't happen. But Cornelius had no problem telling his two servants and this devout soldier what had happened because these three men believed the same way that Cornelius believed and believed truly that Cornelius had just seen an angel or because they were servants. They, they didn't say anything, <laughs> but it seems to me like they they probably agreed that Cornelius had seen an angel because they they go along completely. It says he explained everything to them. So he didn't just ask them to go find Simon Peter. He explained the entire thing. And so that's what makes me think that these two servants and the devout soldier believed the same way that Cornelius did, because Cornelius was unafraid to tell them everything. And he didn't have to tell them everything. He could have just been like, go get Simon Peter, who lives in Joppa and bring him here. And they probably would have done it. But, you know, Cornelius was okay explaining the entire story to these three men. So the next day, it says these two, these three men were on their way to go get Simon Peter. And Peter, meanwhile, is going up onto the rooftop to pray in silence. And the meal downstairs was getting prepared. So Peter's upstairs praying uh, on the rooftop because don't forget, it wasn't like roofs like we have here in America. This would have been like a flat area and people could go up to rooftops pretty easily. And so that's where Peter decides to go so that he can pray silently. And, you know, Peter's upstairs praying and the food smells are probably wafting up to him. And he's like, it's getting to be that time where I want to eat. It says that Peter became extremely hungry. He became very hungry and desired to eat. But while they're preparing the food, he fell into a trance. And I don't know if this trance was more like a vision or if it was a dream or if he fell asleep. I don't know. But Peter falls into some kind of a trance while he's still hungry, don't forget. Now, while he's in this trance, Peter suddenly sees this sheet, like, you know, like a bed sheet coming down out of heaven. And this sheet is holding like a whole bunch of different kinds of animals, like elephants and snakes and birds and horses and whatever else you can think of. It's holding a whole ton of animals. And you have to remember that the Jewish people were allowed to eat very specific types of meat. They weren't allowed to eat, um, you know, pigs. They weren't allowed to eat horses or rabbits or anything considered to be unclean. And there are very few animals in the Old Testament that were considered clean. And those included, you know, sheep and cows and kind of like dairy animals. Those were like the clean animals. But this sheet is filled with all sorts of clean and unclean animals. And Peter hears a voice. Peter rise up, kill and eat. And Peter says, no. <laughs> He's like, nope, I've never eaten anything, anything at all that is unclean. Now, this dream happens two more times. So it happened a total of three times where this sheet is coming down out of heaven. He sees all the animals in it. The voice of God comes to him and is like, 
Peter, rise up, kill and eat these animals. And Peter's like, no way, not doing it. And it happens three times total. Now, finally, the sheet is taken back up into heaven and Peter wakes up or he comes out of this trance or whatever. And suddenly Cornelius's men are at the door. (laughs) They're at the door asking about Simon Peter. And then again, Peter hears the voice of God. And this time, it, I think Peter's out of the trance at this point. Yeah, it says, while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men seek you. So yes, Peter was outside of this vision now. He was awake. He was thinking about it. He was wondering what it meant. And the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, Peter, three men are seeking you. I have sent them Go down with them, doubting nothing. You better go with these men. You better not doubt a single thing because I sent them. That is what the Holy Spirit specifically says to Peter. This is one of the few times we see like the Spirit himself like speaking. And that's how we know that the Spirit is a person, an entity all on his own. He's not just like power being zapped out by God the Father. (laughs) Which is what I always thought, if I'm being honest, like I I truly believe that the Holy Spirit was just like God zapping out like some of his Holy Spirit, like, (laughs) like onto people. But no, the the Spirit speaks and thinks and talks and uh, walks and goes where he wants to go. He's a whole separate entity, according to scripture. So the Spirit is speaking to Peter. He says, look, I sent these men. Don't doubt them. Now, this is before Peter knows that these men are Gentiles. And this is important, and I'll talk more about that on the next coming episode on Thursday when we discuss Jews going into Gentile homes and why Jewish people thought that was not allowed. So we'll get into that. But just remember that there's a lot of disdain for Gentiles among the Jewish people because the Jewish people had God's word and they believed very deeply in God's word, the Old Testament. And Gentiles, of course, did not. And so the Jews considered Gentiles to be very unclean. Similarly to how that sheet in the vision was holding all sorts of different types of animals, both clean and unclean. And they were coming down out of heaven. Now, of course, a lot of people think that this vision is talking about food and how Peter is, and and all Christians, rather, are allowed to eat whatever they want to eat because all foods are considered to be clean. But personally, I do not think that that is what this vision is talking about at all. I think this is talking about the belief that the Jews had, and specifically Peter. We know that Peter very deeply held on to these beliefs. We'll talk about that more on Thursday. But the Jewish people did not like the Gentiles because they considered them to be very unclean people. And that is why up until this point, The gospel hasn't been spread too much to the Gentiles, hardly at all, actually. There was one person, Philip, who went and talked to the Ethiopian eunuch, but for the most part, Gentiles had not been given the gospel yet. Jesus hadn't traveled too much to Gentile regions. Peter certainly has not at all, (laughs) except for when they went to Samaria, even though the Samaritans were kind of like... uh, they, I guess they were in between. They weren't exactly Gentiles, but they weren't exactly Jewish either. So other than the Samaritans, the, the gospel has not been spread to hardly any Gentiles up until this point. 
And I think that this dream was God showing Peter that the Gentiles are accepted just as much as the Jewish people were accepted. Peter needs to stop looking at Gentiles as just unclean heathens, but as people who God accepts as his image bearers who are allowed to receive the Holy Spirit and who are allowed to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus. And I think that was the entire point of this vision. And God used food as an example because Peter was very hungry. Peter held fast to the Jewish way of life of not eating anything unclean. And God was saying, no, Peter, not everything that you think is unclean is unclean. Now, real quick before I end the episode regarding food laws and are all foods considered clean according to the Bible, I go back to Mark chapter 7. And Mark chapter 7 is a very important chapter when discussing this topic of whether or not all foods, according to the Bible, are considered clean. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus himself talks about how basically he is the purity and how no matter what we eat, no matter what we put into our mouths, we are not going to be clean from that. That is not what makes a person clean or unclean. And it's funny because directly after Jesus talks about this, he actually did go into a Gentile region and spoke to a Phoenician woman and had a conversation with her and healed her daughter. And that was one of the few times Jesus actually did enter into a Gentile region. So it's always connected. Whenever we see food being discussed, like is clean or unclean, a lot of times in the New Testament, it's also talking about people and how the Jews considered certain individuals to be very unclean individuals. But Jesus says, no, who I make clean is clean. It doesn't matter what foods they eat. So personally, I do think that there are foods that are not good for us and that we should take care of our bodies. But it's not food that makes us clean or unclean. And Jesus has completely fulfilled the cleanliness laws of the Old Testament. And so that's why anytime we see a cleanliness law in the Old Testament, we don't necessarily have to follow that Old Testament law because it's already been fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus is truly what makes us clean. And even though it's good for us to like wash our hands and eat healthy food and stuff like that, uh, Jesus is truly what makes us a clean individual. And so that's where I stand regarding the Old Testament laws on food. I do not think that anything out of the Old Testament is abolished. I do not think that the Old Testament itself is not necessary or that we shouldn't follow it anymore like a lot of people like to preach. I'm actually very against that kind of preaching because the Old Testament is still here. It is still here. We still have it. We still read it. And Jesus himself said that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but he came to fulfill the laws and the prophets. So the Old Testament laws are not gone and they never will be gone. Not until Jesus comes again and makes a brand new heaven and earth. I don't even know if the laws will be gone at that point. I have no clue. The laws are not gone. And so don't listen to, to preaching that tells you to just ignore the Old Testament because the Old Testament is very important. It talks about health. It talks about wellness. It talks about how to treat other people. And it specifically talks about God's heart. 
and what God wants from us. Jesus himself says the entire law can be summed up in two ways, to love God first and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the entire law. So no, the Old Testament is not over. It is not done with. And, uh, you know, I know people who don't eat certain types of meat and they're not Jewish people, but they just hold to the Old Testament. And I say, cool. (laughs) Now, do I do that? No, I do eat shrimp and I do eat. I just ate bacon yesterday, like for breakfast. I do eat those foods because I think that uh, I have grace through Jesus. And I think that the New Testament teaches that it is not food that makes us clean. Now, that is why I do not necessarily follow the Old Testament laws regarding food specifically. I just wanted to clarify all of that. But friends and faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you know somebody who needs to hear about this, if you know somebody who doesn't like the Old Testament for some reason, but only listens to the New Testament, I highly recommend you share this episode with them and open up a conversation with them about why they don't like the Old Testament. But just in general, please share the podcast around. Tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists because that is going to help the podcast get more listeners. It's an excellent way for you guys to support this podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow, bright and early, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up for an episode out of Judges. Until then, happy listening and God bless. Oh,